0: that Jesus Christ has come into the world to be the Savior of sinners, that He rose from the dead and gloriously sits at the Father's right hand as the mediator between God and man. We have been working our way through the book of Genesis, uh, passage by passage, and so we are in chapter 40 this week. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we uh, have Your Word open before us, as I uh, seek to expound it and proclaim it, I pray that um, Your your Spirit would help me and help uh, every person here to uh, receive it as the Word of God. And Father, most of all, help us to remember Jesus Christ. We ask in His name. Amen. This world that we live in is full of difficulties, of pains, of sorrows, and of deeply disappointing experiences. I say this and you're probably saying, you don't have to tell me about that. I'm experiencing those things right now. Uh, And indeed, I know that many of you are experiencing various forms of suffering, uh, pains, troubles, uh, even uh, at this present moment. And I'm certain that there's a lot of suffering in this room that I have no clue about, especially that emotional suffering that is so severe that you don't even know how to speak to others about Uh, what's going on in your heart. Because the difficulties, the pains, the sorrows, the deeply disappointing experiences are so widespread and so common to all of us that we also know what it is to desire within us uh, to have relief from these troubles, sorrows, pains. Um, In fact, we know how to desire that relief with great intensity. And so this chapter has a lot to say to us. This morning we're given a front row seat to watch Joseph experience deep disappointment. It's also mixed with injustice and with uncertainty and with very harsh living conditions. But as we watch Joseph, we're also going to see him overcome. We're going to see him overcome all the difficulties that are placed before him. And he overcomes by the triumph of faith. On a side note, uh, this is one of the ways that God's Word is so powerful. It doesn't just give us commands to be patient or to trust in God or to rejoice in our trials. It does give us those commands, but it doesn't simply give us those commands. The Bible is not just a rule book from God. Rather, in the Bible, God gives us real lives that we can watch and examine so that we can learn more deeply ourselves how to triumph by faith even while we're in the middle of our suffering. One of the questions that's going to be raised by this this 40th chapter of Genesis is why did God let Joseph suffer so long? And part of that answer is that God allowed his suffering to be so long And so terrible in order that we, who are God's people living many thousands of years after Him, can learn from His experiences. And so in the Bible, God gives us these pictures, these stories, so that we can more easily apply God's Word to ourselves. So when we come to chapter 40, Joseph has been in Egypt for 11 years. Part of those 11 years he spent as a slave in Potiphar's house, being hounded by Potiphar's wife. We saw this last week in chapter 39. And then the rest of this 11 years that he spent in Egypt has been spent in this dungeon, this prison, or as Joseph calls it, Um, a pit. Joseph, his time in Egypt was not what we would call a blessed life. And so Joseph now, after having been in Egypt for 11 years, is 28 years old. And in prison, he's appointed uh, to continue to be a slave. He's appointed to be a servant of the two prisoners um, that we'll meet here in this passage. And so Joseph is not just at the bottom of suffering when he's thrown into prison. He's at the bottom of the bottom. Uh, a servant or a slave to fellow prisoners. And you'd think that there was no place for else for Joseph to go except for up uh, because he's so low. Yet we're going to see as we come to the last verse of this chapter that there was still plenty of room for Joseph to descend in his suffering. So let's look at the passage. Follow along as I read verses 1-4. through four. Sometime after this, The cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with him, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. This last verse and or this last phrase in verse four, they continued uh, for some time in, in custody represented not months but years. So here's Joseph. He was hated by his brothers. He was sold as a slave. He went down to Egypt. As a slave, he was falsely accused by his master's wife. After resisting her advances over and over again, he is thrown in jail. He has been in Egypt as a slave and as a prisoner and a slave in the prison for now 11 years. How is Joseph's faith? How's he doing spiritually? Verses five through eight give us a clue. Here's what's happening in verses five through eight: the chief cupbearer and uh, and the the chief cupbearer and and the chief baker uh, for Pharaoh each had a dream one night, and they were so deeply troubled that it was noticeable in their demeanor. And so uh, Joseph asked them. Why are your faces downcast today? And so they said, We have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph responded, Do not interpret. interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me. This tells us two things about Joseph's faith. First of all, how do we normally respond to suffering in our lives? It's a great temptation to stop caring about others. Suffering can overcome our emotions. It can overcome our thoughts, even overcome our desires. All our desires are focused on uh, escaping the suffering, escaping the trial. Suffering can turn us in on ourselves, our problems become all consuming. They become, they become so consuming that they fill the, the circumference of our perspective. All that we can see are our suffering. We can't see beyond our own perspective. And it's not that you don't care about others. But it's that your own pain, your own sorrows, your own disappointments crowd out everybody else. Joseph, in the midst of his imprisonment, what is he doing? He's not consumed with his own pain. He's not consumed with his own circumstances. Rather, he's looking out in genuine concern for these two prisoners and their emotional well-being. He sees that they are obviously troubled He takes time to ask them, What's troubling you? Listen to verses 5 through 8. And one night they both dreamed, this being the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. The cupbearer and the baker. Chief cupbearer and baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, each his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, We have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. This tells us not only that Joseph is looking outside his own interests, it also tells us that he's leaning upon God. He's not so caught up in his own stuff. He knows that God is taking care of his stuff. He knows that God is with him. Remember last week, over and over again in, in chapter 39 it says, it said God, was with him, it said Yahweh. Remember? Yahweh was with him. The personal covenant-keeping God. And he was aware of this. And so this freed Joseph from being so concerned about his stuff, about his pain, about his circumstances, about the bitter disappointments that were that were his of no fault of his own. And he was free to look out for others. He was free to serve others. I want to warn you because I've, this is a hard truth alert. It might be painful to accept, but our response to suffering reveals something about our own hearts. So let me ask you: How do you respond to suffering in your own life? Do you withdraw into self-concern and self-pity and frustration, or do you ask God how you can be enabled to serve and love others? Paul said in First or in Second Corinthians, chapter one, if we are afflicted. It is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. In other words, Paul was saying, I am willing to suffer for your comfort. See, Paul is able to look beyond his suffering and his suffering was great if you go on to read in second corinthians 1 his suffering was so great that he said it was beyond he felt like it was beyond his ability to endure but yet here's the apostle paul instead of looking to his own concerns he's saying i rejoice that i get to suffer because my suffering is for your comfort and for your patience and your endurance. So any response on your part to suffering that fails to seek others' well-being before your own is unacceptable. Let me say that again. Any response on your part in regard to suffering that fails to seek others' others' well-being before your own is unacceptable. It reveals your heart to be self-seeking. By the way, we talk of frustration in regard to suffering in our lives. Frustration is just a softer, more palatable word uh, that we like to use instead of anger. We like to say we're frustrated by our circumstances rather than angry at our circumstances because frustration implies that our frustration is out of our control and it's also out of our desires. We really desire something else, but frustration has overtaken our desires. Even though really this is what our hearts want, we're really here And so we use frustration as if it somehow has a mind of its own apart from us and takes us over. The reality is frustration is anger towards God um, and His providence in our lives. There's a second indication that Joseph's faith is strong despite his circumstances. Again, verse 8 and he says, "Do not interpretations belong to God?" Uh, he's referencing not only the the chief cupbearer and the chief baker's dreams. He's also acknowledging those dreams that were given to him over 11 years earlier, back in chapter 37. These dreams that God gave to Joseph, that he would that. Uh, his brothers and his mother and father would come and bow down to him. He's acknowledging that God was the author of that dream, that God is the interpreter of that dream, that God is going to fulfill that dream. In other words, it is clear um, that Joseph still believes that God will make him ruler over his brothers in spite of all indications to the contrary. And so here's Joseph, sold into slavery, um, as a slave, being faithful to God, is falsely accused, thrown into jail. He, He has been in Egypt for 11 years, and yet he doesn't become frustrated. He doesn't become angry at his circumstances. He doesn't have a pity party. Instead, he reasons by faith. God has given me this dream. God is going to bring it to pass in my life. God is with me. I'm going to... I'm going to keep my head down, or rather keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. I'm going to plow through these trials because God has something different for me. This is remarkable. It would have been very tempting for Joseph to think that God had forgotten about him and that that God had forgotten about those dreams that he had given to Joseph over a decade earlier. You know, when our own suffering or our own troubles persist over a long time, we may not turn our backs on God, but we begin to question whether God remembers how bad we're suffering. Or we may think that we aren't good enough to, to deserve His help. Perhaps we think that God really doesn't care for us, and gradually our faith and our hope begins to ebb so that our prayers grow less frequent, our prayers grow less fervent. We kind of think, well, we're all on our own here, and we're just enduring till the trial will end. Well, let's continue to look at the text and see how we can avoid this temptation. I want to get to verse twenty-three, the last um, verse of, of of this chapter. Uh, you know the storyline. So I'm going to read verses 9 through 19 just to keep us up to speed. So follow along with me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him In my dream, there was a vine before me. And on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed, them, placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into this... Notice this word. Into the pit. Same Hebrew word used in chapter 37 for the cistern that his brothers threw him into. And so Joseph calls this prison uh, a pit. Hearkening back to uh, how his his uh, bondage how his travels into slavery began and he is he's eager to, to to be relieved of it as we talk about enduring suffering it's not wrong to be to want to be relieved of it here he wants to be relieved of his suffering but when that desire for relief Turns into I must be delivered, and that is uh, is where we um, where we have stepped over into disobedience. But here he wants to be delivered. He asks the the chief cupbearer to remember him. Well, the chief baker sees this this great report, and so he then uh wants an interpretation for his dream verse 16 when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable he said to Joseph i also had a dream there were 3 cakes 3 cake baskets on my head and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for pharaoh but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head and Joseph answered and said This is my interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat the flesh from you. Um, Similar prayer, very different interpretation. Um, Similar dream, very different interpretation. And everything happened just as Joseph said it would. Verses 20 and 21. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. And then we come to verse 23. Something happened, or rather we should say, something did not happen in verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And if you peek ahead to chapter 41, verse 1, after two whole years and the Hebrew emphasizes the whole, two whole years Joseph languished in that prison that he considered a pit Joseph asked the chief cupbearer for a simple favor and the chief cupbearer forgot Joseph immediately after getting out of prison. Can you imagine being Joseph? That first week, every time you hear some steps coming down into the prison, you're thinking that you're going to be released. A week goes by. A month goes by. Two slow years go by. Delay is a favorite strategy. For God as He shepherds His sheep. God often delays His promises in the lives of His people uh, to help us grow. Think about the promises God gave to Abraham. You will have children. You will have a child that will have so many children or so many descendants that they will not be able to be counted. There is there is numerous as stars in the sky, numerous as sand on the seashore. And so Abraham waits years. Decade. What's happening? God makes us wait. And He gives us mounting disappointments. So that we are forced to wait upon God. Otherwise, what would we do? We'd try and get on by ourselves, wouldn't we? Even while we're in the suffering, we still try and take matters into our own hands. I'm still stunned by all the hardship that that Joseph is experiencing. He's trusting in God, and God is allowing Joseph's life to slip by. Uh, And it's slipping by in seeming insignificance. He's in the bottom of a prison, a slave to prisoners. Joseph knew something that I struggle with. I'm willing to die. Um, I'm I'm willing to die for the Lord. But if I'm going to die, I kind of want to make it count. You know, I want to do something significant. Um, I want to make an impact. But Joseph is teaching me something here, as he trusts God, as he trusts God faithfully while he's living in obscurity. The circumstances of our service do not determine the value of our service. Circumstances of our service do not determine the value of our service. Your service may be as a shut-in, sitting at home praying for the saints. Your service may be something behind the scenes that no one else sees. No service for the Lord is insignificant. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered by God. Nothing about your life is insignificant. The trials and the troubles are not insignificant. James chapter 1 says they are good gifts from the Father of lights who showers down upon us. One good gift after another, and that includes trials and troubles and pains, and surgeries that don't go the way we want them to go. Accidents. Here's Joseph. Suffering in obscurity, but he knows that his life has value because God values him. You are in Jesus Christ. Your circumstances, your service for the Lord, none of it is insignificant. Joseph thrived in the pit for two more years. Maybe you feel like you're Joseph. You've been waiting, you've been hoping, you've been praying for, for deliverance. And you don't know why God has you in the circumstances that He has you. You don't know why the pain is continuing, why the weakness is continuing, why the family circumstances are continuing. What makes it really difficult is when you lose your hope in the middle of the trials and circumstances. If you are in Jesus Christ... As Carlos pointed out in the assurance of pardon, Christ died for you. If he did not spare his own life but gave himself up so freely for you, will he not also along with him graciously give you everything you need? I want to give you an assignment as I close. Um, if you are in circumstances that I've been describing, and you're saying, yeah, that's me. Or if you're not, the good news, bad news, is that you soon will be. I want you to study Two passages from the book of Romans. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. Listen to the Apostle Paul. He says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Why would he say rejoice in our sufferings? He goes on, Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. If you are going to endure suffering, you've got to have that hope. How do you get that hope? And hope does not put us to shame, verse 5, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, you need that hope. That hope will, will encourage you and empower you in Christ to rejoice in your sufferings and through rejoicing to endure in those sufferings, which will produce in you character, and that character then will produce even greater hope. You see the cycle? And then in Romans chapter 8, verses 15. in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Paul says, "...for I consider the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us." Study these two passages of Scripture. Make them your own. And then pray over these passages of Scripture. Pray for this chain of progression from hope to rejoicing, to endurance, to character, to greater hope. Pray for this assurance that Paul talks about in Romans 8 so that we cry, Abba, Father, that we know in our spirits that we are the children of God, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. And then pray for how you might help someone else who is suffering look outside yourselves look to God first your circumstances and your troubles will shrink in comparison when we've got a big God our troubles shrink uh, monumentally so look to God and ask God how can I use how can I be useful for you to help others who are suffering let's pray together Almighty God uh, help us to um, have a faith like Joseph's. Father, help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Help us to remember what He has done for us and that who we are in Him, we are children of God. Encourage us. Cause us to have that hope that wells forth in endurance, in character, and in greater hope. And Father, I do pray for those who feel like they are in the bottom of of an Egyptian jail cell and have been there for years on end with um, with no clear sight of relief. Father, I pray especially that You pour out Your Spirit upon them. I ask in Jesus' name, Amen.